0: Welcome to the first ever podcast, Sitting In, or the first ever episode of the podcast, Sitting In. Today we got on Vincent Drazier and Sean Angus Watson. I will get better at intros, trust me. Um, just a quick note is that the audio from this podcast, this episode, was recorded straight through Skype, so it's not the best in the whole season, but if you can get over that, it's, uh, it's a great episode. So I hope you enjoy it. um Have you two ever actually spoken to each other before?
1: Never. No, this is the first time I've heard your voice, Vincent.
2: Yeah, really? Well, well yeah. I mean, talk we've talked in your uh, yeah,
1: tutorial videos, of course. Okay. Yes. But we have spoken. We've uh, spoken on Instagram. Number of times over text. Yeah.
0: That's that's beautiful.
1: But here's the official <laughs> the official <laughs> meeting.
0: The official meeting, and it's on my turn. Yes. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, so I think it's pretty crazy how we've all managed to meet each other, to be honest, because um, it's all been through the power of, power of Instagram, right?
1: The yeah. internet, all on yeah. different sides of the planet. I guess you guys aren't too far from each other. I'm I'm pretty far. Yeah,
0: so I'm in the UK, obviously in Edinburgh, and Scotland, and Vincent's in uh, the Netherlands. Uh, how do you say the place you're from, Vincent? Zutphen. Zutphen.
2: <laughs> Zutphen. Yeah, yeah, man. Okay.
0: okay. Why don't you tell people what it's like in Zutphen?
2: Ah, Zutphen is cool, man. It's like uh, it's uh, it stems from the middle med- medieval uh, times, and uh, yeah, it's just a mixture of uh, of the old and the new. Mm. No, I did not yeah, know. Sean, it's I, kinda, I, think I think you'd like it. It's kind of like it's it. kind of like, um, like uh, where you're from. It's kind of like Edinburgh, but way less spectacular. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, to give people an idea what Edinburgh's like, we have an extinct volcano, a castle, and um Sean, what else is here? You visited like a few weeks oh, ago. Oh
1: gosh. Well <laughs> the castle surrounded by a beautiful old town. I love me an old town. A good <laughs> a good old town, a bunch of old cobblestone,
2: you know, brick streets. That's
1: that's my kind of jam. Beautiful.
2: But wait, Sean, what what were you uh what were you
1: doing in Scotland? It was it was just a vacation. I went I went to London for a couple of days, and then I sort of decided on a whim that I I wanted to add another destination to my trip instead of spend like a, a week and a half in London. Yeah. And so I was looking around. I almost bought a plane ticket over to like mainland Europe. I almost thought I was going to go to like maybe Copenhagen. I thought maybe I was going to go to like Switzerland. But then a train ride up to Scotland seemed the most practical.
0: Woo. Yeah. And it's funny the way it worked out because I saw on your Instagram. So we sent messages and um, we ended up just hanging out for a night and it was it was such a great chat. And I think out of all of these meetings that I have with people from all over the world, whether that be like this through Skype or actually in person we always tend to talk about the same things which is why I think this podcast format is such a great idea to share those ideas because um,
2: yeah.
0: we tend to talk about music then that leads to philosophy and question our existence and then social media <laughs> yeah so why, why don't you um, maybe Sean you can go first tell the listeners the, the beautiful listeners <laughs> if they listen um, tell them a bit about like I don't know maybe who you are we know where you're from, I think we said that, Oregon, and um, yeah, maybe a bit like what you're doing with your music right now, what you're currently doing.
1: All right, all right, well, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Sean, uh, Sean Angus Watson, and uh, I'm a guitar player, multi-instrumentalist, I kind of kind of have a, a little bit of a broad musical background, I started playing uh, like cello and violin and, and an orchestra at a really young age, and then I played a little bit of percussion, and I don't know, I think I was a mid, early teenager when I found the electric guitar and that that was like the instrument that spoke to me the most and I've pretty much been focusing on that for the past 10 years or so. Uh, most of the music that I make is like loop-based, uh, just sort of chilled out guitar music, sort of layered guitar stuff. Sean, you uh, have
2: a platform where people can listen to it.
1: I do, I do. Well... It all started from Instagram. That's basically how I found all the success, success that i found so far um, was from posting silly videos on the internet on Instagram. And then I, I started a YouTube channel. Uh, and th- But then in the past year or so, I've released a couple albums that are now all on the, pretty much most of the stores and streaming services that you can find music on. iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon. Um, yeah, and so at this point, I'm basically focusing on recording and producing more music, getting more albums out there. And uh, I teach guitar sort of on the side. In the past, I've done that more full time. And lately I've sort of been transitioning to more, uh, just producing my own music and, and teaching just a little bit. But it's a goal of mine in the future to get sort of an educational YouTube channel thing going on. My YouTube channel right now is basically mostly me performing guitar. But I think it'd be cool to sort of make little bite-sized, digestible uh, guitar lessons for a pretty wide background. Maybe some some stuff for people who literally never held a guitar in their life before, and then maybe some more advanced stuff. But yeah, that's pretty much what I'm up to these days.
0: Yeah, that's cool, man. We had, we had a really great chat about like teaching and what is we look for in um, we we our, our approaches to teaching, because they were kind of similar. Um, maybe we can get onto that later but Vincent why don't you tell us a little bit about uh what you're up to and uh yeah something something like that something
2: <laughs> something some. yeah uh well musically I'm uh, yeah you kind of caught me at a bad time because <laughs> I haven't <laughs> been really writing music all that much because I haven't been feeling it so uh mm. If I'm not feeling inspired or not really feel like picking up the guitar, I'm, I just won't yeah I just won't do it because uh, it doesn't feel right and feel forced but um, yeah, I don't know, man. I guess I'll, I'll talk a little bit about how I started. Um, uh, and that's for you guys to answer a quick question, what do you guys think was the first song I learned on guitar?
0: <laughs> no. All right, I bet it was some sort of mad indie rock thing that nobody knows about from like some crazy band. Like everybody else is like uh Smoke on the Water, Seven Nation Army.
1: What what was yeah. it? Smoke on the water, Purple Haze or something, right?
2: <laughs> no, man. It's it's really obvious. We joke about it all the time, man.
1: Was it we... The Lick? <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> or a Minor Nine Cards. I
2: wish, I wish. That's a good guess. No, it was Wonderwall, man.
0: Ah, uh, well, same here, well, man.
2: Yeah, really? <laughs>
0: Yeah, but I learned it wrong. I learned it like with very simple (laughs) versions of the chords, and um, yeah, it was awful. But it gave me the uh, the encouragement I needed to kind of push forward. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, same here. Dude,
2: I had the exact same thing. (laughs) That's (laughs) hilarious. Yeah,
0: that's that's a funny. Um, I just picked up on you talking about you know maybe you've not been you've not been writing as much because of your lack of inspiration, but I think that's something that I always enjoy talking to artists about is like maybe you know what they're inspired by or how they find inspiration because we had a good uh, qu- I was uh wait we had a question from someone I think it was Cass Grant who's a, a former student of mine he was asking something about uh the artistic process or inspiration I think he said that anyway um and I think for me inspiration comes in several different forms but I spoke to Sean about this I think and a lot of my inspiration comes from some sort of a texture or shape so it's not actually necessarily like I listened to Wonderwall and was inspired by it (laughs) like for me it's more like I sometimes see music or create music with the idea like shape or texture as opposed to like thinking simply just about like what the harmony is doing um <clears throat> but i think that maybe relates to like certain emotions um but for example i might be thinking about like some sort of weird shape of like two triangles next to like a square and for me i i don't know sometimes that's how i can get out uh, a well, sound on the instrument but sometimes do you, do you it's
2: also that, like uh for instance when you see it you you hear a certain vibe or sound with Certain shapes?
0: Mm, not quite like that. I wouldn't say I've got like proper synesthesia. I think no, that's what you call it. It's more like, the way I explained it to Sean was that, all right, there's something that needs to come out that's like a, a certain, like, to keep it simple, like a vibe. But that means like, a, like an emotion or like a texture or some sort of artistic idea that I want to get out. But usually the process is that I don't know how to get that out yet, so I search for it. Um, so there may be something that's like, I know I speak, I I do use terms like shape and texture, but it's not exclusively that. It's like a combination of like, this chord makes me feel a certain way, but I see it and sort of feel it as like a certain like, uh, shape. It's kind of hard to explain.
1: I remember we had this conversation in the pub, it was, it's, it's fascinating to hear this because... Of the similarities with the uh, sort of where I draw my inspiration from, but also like the dissimilarities, because that's I, the, I don't know, I, I um, it's usually sound, it's usually a melody or something that I'll hear in a movie on, you know, someone whistling or yeah, in a song. Same or something. Here. Um, but but the the common ground I think that we shared was the searching for it aspect where you sit down and you really it doesn't just happen immediately it doesn't just come to your fingertips instantaneously it's like uh it's it's quite a process to get to the point where you feel like you've you've represented what you feel inside with what yeah, you're
0: playing exactly I think that's what I'm that's what I'm getting to um, yeah Vincent you got anything to add to that
2: yeah I don't know I think uh, I feel like because well, we, we talked about it this uh, the, the whole process like hundreds of times. Um, and I feel like we are a bit on different levels. Like, I feel like you're on a bit of a higher level than me.
1: <laughs> no
0: way, man, <laughs> uh,
2: but no, it's just different, you know. Um, but I feel like most of the time, like, the foundation and the essence for me is just as simple as like hearing something um, Mm -hmm. and then realizing like two weeks after that it's still in my head and then I'll do something with it or or not but I've also um I've had like numerous numerous times where I uh I had an idea Uh, it came straight from my fingertips uh and when I was done with it I was like this sounds so familiar why I feel like I've heard this before. Uh, And then I came to realize, like, it was an already existing melody from some song I heard, like, months ago. But I see that as kind of, like, subconscious inspiration or something. Uh, But that's what happens to me a lot.
0: That's interesting. Yeah, well, I think the the common thing is that maybe I didn't express it as much, but it comes from usually hearing something. But that doesn't mean actually hearing something like... uh, it's like maybe not literally hearing it but like you hear it in your head and it's like ah there's there's something inside that needs to come out um so it's not like I have some sacred process that nobody's ever done it's like it's just it's, it's I think we're all really talking about the same thing it starts with some sort of sound and that sound may be inspired by uh for me an emotion or a shape maybe um or even just like exploring just like a different voicing on the guitar which I guess encapsulates both those elements for me um and just kind of seeing where that goes but yeah both like all in fact all of us has kind of different approaches because i usually don't start with melody which seems weird to a lot of people but usually i start yeah. with harmony because i feel like for whatever reason i can i much prefer painting a picture or sorry i, I much prefer well yeah painting a musical picture with harmony um with and first. for me yeah the melody seems to come second unless
2: Mm.
0: yeah on if i'm looking at my list of tracks that i've written for the ep and none of them came from a melody they all came from harmony and i know it's the same thing really um but they came from like a set of changes or one voicing that inspired the the rest of the process um but it never came by me being like a (laughs) <laughs> oh, wow, that sounds dope. It was more like, <laughs> these chords sound cool. How can I kind of further um, further express it with a melody? Yeah. But when when I eventually release this music, you'll probably realize that. You'll be like, ah, that's, that's kind of interesting. It's a, but, well, I'm not saying you'll find it interesting, but now that we've had this chat, you'll, you'll see it from a different perspective, potentially. Yeah. Um, but For I think sure that's maybe would. why a lot of my melodies are simple.
2: <clears throat> yeah, but... Yeah, it it, it isn't simple, but I had something today for the first time where I heard a melody in my head and it was more like a a vocal line. And I was like, uh, I want to do something with this. Uh, And this was the first time I had a melody in my head and uh, tried to like translate it into a guitar. Uh, And that was a very interesting process to see like from a different side. Uh, or, or the other side from where I usually start um, but I also feel like Reese we've talked about this a lot as well that um, when we're like when we're talking about voicings or melodies that sometimes you can be inspired by like the sound of one chord and I know a lot of uh, people have this a lot of musicians uh, have that and I'm like, damn, this chord sounds so good, Uh, doesn't matter what it is, but like, you play a chord and then in your head you can hear like a hundred different types of directions and melodies where where it can go and harmonies and for me those are like the best experiences and most fulfilling experiences because it's like it's spontaneous, uh, it's kind of a quick process uh, and the rest after the basics and the foundation it's all fine tuning mm. uh and i find that very satisfying to experience
0: yeah so would you say a lot of your inspiration then comes from one chord that's like whoa that was like the spark i needed and the rest kind of just falls into place
2: yeah and th- that was the same thing that i uh, we talked about a few weeks ago that um i usually ask you for new music <laughs> uh, <laughs> for new stuff to learn uh for instance, Julian, uh, Julian Lodge, When I learned a small part of his uh, of his uh, his track, uh, the latest track. God damn, what's it called again? Uh,
0: what's it go like?
2: Sing it. Yeah, it's from his latest album, from Love Earth. uh it Wasn't
0: a ramble, was it?
2: No. Jesus, how stupid. i never forget this name. Anyway, it's the pressure of the podcast, guys. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, when I learned like 10 seconds of that song, I, I was like, yeah, this was the spark I needed. It was one yeah. new chord or one new progression or like angle that popped into my head. And I was like, okay, I can go from here. Yeah. So it, it doesn't take a lot to, you know, to bring inspiration to 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 pull it outwards and like do something with it
0: yeah that no that's cool man i think that all i feel like we're kind of all talking about the same things a little bit but sean your music's uh, mostly loop based right yeah so given the it's a loop there's only so much kind of i imagine there's only so much space you can have to like for example put a chord progression down you know, if you're dealing with like 16 bar loop or 32, I don't know how far you take it, but um, what's the process for you then? You know, do you start with a, you said you start with a melody, but then how does the loop
1: build underneath that? Since we've been talking about it, I guess I've, in, just in the past few minutes, I've been thinking about, okay, how do I actually come <laughs> up with a tune? Um, and I, I think I might actually be more focused on harmony than I had thought, because most of the melodies that I, that I come up with are really simple and they sort of end up coming alive because of the chord progression that's underneath. Yeah, man. like maybe the melody itself wouldn't, wouldn't be anything special, but the combination of the melody and the harmony turns it, you know, adds a little bit of spunk to it. Um, but you, you're totally right. I mean, I, I think most of my uh, loops are even like eight bars, eight and maybe 16 max. Um, and so they're very short and it's, I don't know, it's it's like it's, it sometimes seems like a little bit of like a dance a little bit of a back and forth between letting the chords take over and let, letting the melody take over to try to create something exciting the sort of interplay between them, I, t- I try to like not let okay, write a melody that is just filling up the entire space of the 8 or 16 bars or a chord progression that's just extremely active every moment of every bar so that there's a little bit of uh, high points and low points within each. Um, yeah, it's 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 definitely a challenge to try to make a short chord progression, a really simple chord progression, say, in one key with only like three or four chords. Yeah. Interesting, but that's kind of like... That's sort of what I get off on, is trying to take something really, really simple and make it listenable, you know? Because for, for all of this really bad pop music that's out there that's just three chords and you get tired of it a 30 seconds or a minute in it's a pretty fun game to try to like break that to try to take the same building blocks that pop music is using and turn it into something that that is enjoyable to listen to i i don't know um
2: yeah but sean you you shouldn't forget that you have your you have your like you have a unique voice on the guitar and uh i've complimented you uh, on this before but uh, your phrasing and the way you use space in between chords and notes when you're soloing is like yeah right after after two seconds you know you already know it's you Um, oh (laughs) and I think that's also the magic of why you are good at like making three chord progressions so interesting because yeah it's just a certain touch that you have uh and which i really admire and why i genuinely genuinely listen to your stuff <laughs> uh, on spotify or whatever not just yeah. because i know you but, but because like if i wouldn't know you i would listen to it as well
0: i think so, uh, yeah what, what you're picking up on there is um musical style and like for example sean's own sound and actually it's a good time to pick up on one of the questions from someone on instagram called black dogs music um who asked how long did it take for you to develop your musical style and Mm. if i'll just i'll start on that um and then we can all kind of add a bit in but i think the answer to that is that it never it never stops um i think for me one of the most exciting things about music is you can't complete it When I was in uh, high school, uh, secondary school, I don't know what that translates into in the the U.S., but like I was about 13. Um, There was a kid in the class who played bass pretty well for his age, but in the grand scheme of things, it's like, meh. Um, And he says, I'm not doing bass this year because I can play everything on it. And I was like, man, you don't get this music thing, do you? And at the age of thirteen, we don't—we're not expected to understand anything, or even at twenty-four, like still, or 23. Yeah. 23. Um, but yeah, I think it's exciting for me because it—you never stop learning. It's you can't stop learning. And if you think you have finished something, then you've maybe just closed your mind off a little bit. Because Sean, remember when you and I sat and spoke, like, simply about diatonic harmony? It's like. Mm-hmm. there's so much like underground that you can go into and it's like well you know the chords in c major that's cool <laughs> but it's like you know there's just so much more you you can always scrape into and then you take it further into different harmony types um so yeah i think it it's not finished none of us are finished developing our style because it doesn't finish however how long did it take i think john mayer put it pretty well by saying something along the lines of uh oh, what was it like, you kind of develop your own musical style by copying your idols and failing oh, a bunch of times. Yeah. Um, and I know for me, it was like... I was super inspired by people like... Um, well, a very broad range of players. But for example, someone like Guffrey Govan. I was really into him for a little while. And I know I've taken very small parts of his music with me, but now I'm more inspired by players like Kurt Rosenwinkel. And, like, it's not... um. It's not like you steal their ideas but just through like osmosis. Musical hey, can osmosis I, can to I add rub something
2: off. To that, yeah, sure. Uh cuz I've thought about this a lot as well and um I think another thing is that you keep building on your new inspiration. So for instance, I started out with like uh like hardcore and metal and all that stuff and that went into melodic hardcore and some blues game and uh, all that stuff. Um yeah. but then you're constantly, you're constantly like building a foundation of what your go-to sound is or like should be in your head. And for instance, when when let's say Jimi Hendrix is your idol, you want to sound like Jimi Hendrix. Uh, then you play a lot of his stuff. But you get older and you get to know more artists and you get a broader view of what music can be and guitar can be. And then you have Jimi Hendrix, and you you, you have some other, uh, you know, let's take Julian again, for example. And then you have, like, your interpretation of Hendrix, and then your interpretation of Julian, and that keeps building and building and building until it's something, like, it becomes very specific to your character. Yeah. And I no, think that's, that's,
0: yeah. No, that's, that's a great point. And Sean, do you have anything to add to that? Because I don't want to jump ahead.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I've also this is something I've thought quite a lot about because it's um, at least in a lot of the guitar lessons I've taught, it's it's a common question like how do you find how do you find a unique identity that's yours? Uh, how do you sound like yourself, right? Um, and I, I very much sort of fell in line with what, what you mentioned John Mayer said, which is you sort of build off of you know, you copy your idols a little bit. That's that's exactly what I did. Um from a really young age, I was super into A C D C. Uh like Angus Young was my first guitar idol. And it's one of the first
2: reason of the S <laughs> G?
1: It it is, 100 percent That's why I Quick, bought the
0: Quickly, SG. let's actually so my, my first guitar idol was Slash. Who was yours, Vincent?
2: Oh, it was mine. I think it was uh, it was Mick Thompson from uh, from Slipknot.
0: <laughs> Sweet. all right. We sorry, Sean. Heavy, on, on you go.
1: Some heavy influences. It's funny because I've I've gone so far away from uh, Angus Young and ACDC, but uh, yeah, I well I, I I very vividly remember just learning as many Angus Young solos as I could, um, and then of course you know I I got into Clapton and Hendrix and Jimmy Page and. And all these other sort of guitar gods. And, you know, I tried to learn as many of their solos as I possibly could. And eventually, you know, you start, you start picking up on uh, the phrases that they use. That's a really good way to learn phrasing. And you sort of, if, if you can look at, a, you know, an Angus Young solo as a group of sentences, a group of phrases sort of linked together... Um, And then you learn two dozen solos and then you just start picking them apart bit by bit, the small little units that make up their phrases. And all of a sudden, you know, you you know, you're playing your own you're playing your own solo, even though you're stealing from Clapton and Hendrix and Angus Young. Um, Because, you know, this there's this this, you know, we're playing 12 tone music. Right. How many possibilities really are there out there? there's sort of an argument to be made that like almost nothing is truly original. Yep. You know? Uh, and so if you're taking little bite-sized chunks from, from your idols and all these famous guitar solos, it's gonna, it's not going to sound like them if you mix and match them enough sooner or later, you're going to be sounding like yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, uh,
0: you know, cause and effect is, it's a fairly basic principle, but there was a, there was something that inspired the, uh, the process of like playing something that maybe sounds like yourself, so it's, it's. I guess you could say it's never truly original. Although there are some artists who I think are truly original, but then again, they're playing music, and it's it's just vibrations. That's all we're doing anyway. It's a really good <laughs> but, um,
1: question, right? Like, is yeah. anything original? Considering that, as just a civilization, we've been making music the whole time, the entire time we've been making music and we're you know we're thousands of years into it um and even just if we look at recent history with pop music and say like the 12 tone system and and things like the major scale that most western music is heavily based in um that while there are a huge number of possibilities in terms of the number of potential chord progressions or melodies out there it is a very limited finite set of, of music that can be made but even within that there's so much originality, perceived originality, where you hear something and you go, "That sounds cool." I got this sounds fresh and new. And yeah, not I like think K-4. I think that's
0: where the person's voice comes into play, not their little voice, like the musical voice, because uh, you can, you and, literally can, can you can't play like Jimi Hendrix. It's impossible. You can't play like Vincent. You've not got his fingers but, or his body. Um,
2: no, but that's is, that's what I. That's what I wanted to add to that is that it's also a lot about energy. And that sounds like that sounds like the biggest cliche ever, but (laughs) there's just a certain type of energy to to every single person who puts something out or who shares his or her stuff with the world. Uh, And yeah, like you said, I could never sound like Sean, even if I played the exact same thing or sound like you or whatever uh it's just something personal man it's not just uh like skill wise it's more than that
0: and i think personally well just to preface this i was listening to a podcast called the guitar hour and andy wood was on it do you guys know andy wood's playing
1: i don't think so he's
0: he's a phenomenal player he started off as like a bluegrass mandolin player and now he plays electric guitar because um I think essentially it makes them more money. But um, he's a (laughs) phenomenal player. And what he was saying that kind of links into this is like, you know, everybody's like killing it on Instagram and all that kind of stuff, you know, playing like Mateus Asato covers and all that. But it's like, I feel like we have a duty, like this generation of musicians, to like continue putting out music with our own blueprint, like our own voice. Um, And I think what I would love to hear. From everybody in this circle or really just every musician is like at least an attempt to like do your own thing like I'm not saying that like you can't continue to be a Jimi Hendrix like clone that's fine if that's what you do but I think um, like the world needs new music do you know what yeah. I'm saying
1: yeah
0: and um, I think if I could hear just like lots of more or lots more like original music on instagram or from the musicians who are like really using it yeah but
2: reese don't don't you think like original music is different for everybody else because i got introduced to neo soul (coughs) guitar playing and neo soul music by instagram that was unique and original to me but it has been around for like sorry i decades
0: yeah i know what you're saying i don't mean original as in like groundbreaking stuff i mean like we were just talking about an artist's uh, blueprint and like them playing their their stuff, you know what I'm saying? Because there's uh, yeah, just so okay. many like one minute clips of people and I'm <laughs> guilty of that, you know, I'm working on this EP and um, it's a long process but um, it would just be nice to hear like music coming from inside people's heads, not just like covers and stuff, do you know what I'm saying? Like covers are great
1: and all that but there's I a think, little bit of a, like Instagram specifically and, and guitar players on Instagram <clears throat> seems like it sort of steered the direction of everybody's goals towards, I don't know, if it would, maybe it's belittling to call it sort of a popularity contest, but I'm sure we've all posted something on Instagram that wasn't our true, unique, authentic feelings, <laughs> and voice. just yeah. because it, you know, you, you get rewarded for it and it's, you can gauge and connect with other people.
0: Yeah. And I just want to say that I think it's, very dangerous like if you're trying to be a um like have an online personality as like an artist like kind of what we're we're doing like we have middle sort of mid-size small to be honest size instagram audiences i just said size a million times but anyway um and if we accidentally attract an audience for the wrong reason it can get kind of strange because I've had a video, and I'm sure you both know the stupid funk riff
2: oh yeah
0: i I recorded that in two minutes before I was gonna go and get dinner with my mum, and I was like, I've not posted for a few days, and it's <laughs> it's if I added up how many views it's had, it's probably had at least like four million. I'm not kidding wow um like through different uh, shares, and people follow me for that, and it's like if you are f- listening to this podcast because of that riff, that's sweet. let's like let's stay friends but at the same time it's like that does not represent me that's a tiny part of like where I'd like to or what I'd like to display musically and I never thought that it would blow up and there's stuff I have put out that I'm like well that's what I was maybe feeling at the time but not now and that's fine but I think it's dangerous because if you for example end up getting for example I said, for example, twice that was frustrating. Anyway, um, if you end up with like a follower of like a million, right, complete, um, but everything you've done was like a cover of Metallica, and then you, like, I don't know, <laughs> release like a straight jazz record. It's like, what? That's weird.
1: Yeah, and you um, might, might be successful. You might not get the people might not care about it.
0: Right? Yeah, because it followed you for something that you're not as an artist.
2: Yeah, but isn't that like even when you have like YouTubers or even guys on TikTok. Uh,
0: what uh, is TikTok? Like yeah, I saw it. T- what t- is it? Yeah,
2: man. I, feel so, I feel so old <laughs> like when I see all those new, Same. new trends and I'm like, what the fuck, man? How, how <laughs> did this I can't relate anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, how did um, it happen that already,
1: Pop Culture already passed us?
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it, that's the thing. It, it's so quick. It's so fast. It's like, You know, videos blow up, they go viral and people get famous or recognized for one one tiny portion of what their online personality should be or what they wanted to be. And people are like, oh, do that thing. Do that thing. I followed you. And I feel like that's the same thing that's happening on Instagram as well with guitarists. And that's the same. That's the reason why. I stopped giving a shit actually about Instagram. Sorry to be blunt, but
1: no, oh, no, that's just feels
2: like a circus, man. It really doesn't feel sincere at all.
1: I've been yeah. feeling a lot of the same things uh, about Instagram lately as well. But um, to answer your question, Reese, TikTok I think is like Instagram, but even shorter. It's even shorter form videos, like 15. no, that was
2: Vine, dude.
1: <laughs> it's basically like I think it's like that. The 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 truth is, I'm not. I don't use TikTok. I no I'm not. I'm not I'm not in I'm not, end <laughs> not <term>. hip
2: <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so I don't think I am
1: uh, well yeah I mean
0: I think we we could probably speak about social media forever but I think um, my advice to someone listening who's maybe wanting to get started on it is um, and this is so cliche and I say it a lot but like, just kind of be yourself and be consistent you know it's like you, yeah I'll, I'll leave it there I'm not going to go too much further into that but um,
2: thanks dad
0: yeah it's <laughs> all right sir. It's a good,
2: no it's a good
1: it's a good idea i just agree honest expression will never be a bad thing right yeah. and and many of the other ways that people bit sort of act and behave on social media can sort of subtly over time you not you know you maybe it's an intense word but you can like corrupt yourself a little bit or your purpose whatever it is that you got onto social media in the first place to do by paying attention to maybe the wrong things, like the number of views and the number of likes that you get and if your videos get shared. But it'll never get old for someone to just be themselves and post the videos that make them happy and not, that, that weren't created with some sort of ulterior motive to be successful.
2: Yeah,
0: man, no, absolutely.
2: I, like, I gotta yeah. be honest, though. Uh, one more thing about social media and in particular Instagram, like. It's just an honest, honest thought that I have. Like, mm-hmm. would I still be like this? Like, I don't give a shit. Blah blah blah. If my videos were still having like tens of thousands of views and like so much interaction, and I feel like maybe it's also some, yeah, it's an it's an ego thing as well. But maybe I was just so bummed out by not, by losing all that that interaction. That I was like, yeah, I've lost my motivation to make videos because people don't really care anymore. I don't know. I'm just thinking, like, is it do I I, really not care or is it because of that or is it a combination of both? Or I don't know. I think
0: only you can answer that truly. But I think, regardless of like this outcome or this place we've gotten to so far in the conversation, I think i am absolutely grateful for like instagram and what's helped me do because we wouldn't be having this chat right now and um yeah exactly yeah like uh, yeah i've met people all over the world i've got students all over the world and it's it's really just because of that so it's a huge asset and i'm going to continue using instagram and i'm trying to step up my game a little bit so um yeah expect to see more but it's i'm I'm trying to stay stay true to myself um hey sorry for interrupting the podcast i'll just be one minute if you're receiving value from this podcast, consider supporting me by getting some of the Sitting In merch. From teespring.com forward slash stores forward slash sitting dash in dash podcast. That's T-E-E-S-P-R-I-N-G dot com forward slash stores forward slash sitting dash in dash podcast. So why don't you... uh Vincent, you can go first. Tell us a bit about like the, ge- the gear you use, or if there's any guitars you particularly like right now that you're using. Um,
2: uh, I think the guitar, like the best guitar I own, is the Shergold.
1: Mm. Um, Shergold. I don't know anything about Shergolds.
0: Oh man, if you'd come to my flat, you would have fallen in love with it. that time you're in town. It's basically there's this really great sorry to jump on your uh, yeah sorry no no that's okay all right there's this really great uh acoustic guitar company called faith guitars and i've had one for years and i just love it man it's like they have a great balance between like vintage and modern but my one in particular just sounds like super modern it's like it's a very rich sound i love it and uh, we were chatting and they told me that they actually have a sister company called Shergold, who was a company in the maybe in the 70s or something, but then they stopped. And so I was like, oh, whoa, that's cool. And so we got chatting, and they sent over a guitar to check out, and it's the same build quality, which is what I'm most excited about, but on an electric guitar, and it's it's honestly phenomenal, man. Um, You should really check them out online. It's cool.
1: So I know Faith. I, I, I've played a couple of Faith guitars. Nice I didn't speak. know that Sherwood was their, their sister electric guitar company.
0: Yeah, it, it seems to <laughs> yeah, be I, like that.
2: It's no joke, man. The neck is really the best neck I've ever like played. Really? Um, for me, it, it's just something It's something different, but in a good way. I can't explain it, man, but yeah, I'm not that um, experienced with guitars at all, because I've been playing uh, a Strat I got from my dad. He used to play it when uh, he was younger, uh, and I've used that, and it's like, I believe it's from some sort of, like, Dutch. Like, you can compare it to, to a Walmart or something. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it's just cheap-ass. Reese has played this track. He knows it's, it's <laughs> actually shit. Uh, <laughs> and, um, I don't know, man. I have a lot of, like, yeah, just cheap-ass guitars uh, that, yeah, I, mean, I think for me they're good. I yeah. you know because I'm not. Um, yeah, how do I say that? I'm not like I'm not used to anything else. So uh, yeah, that's why the shurgle. That's why I said like the neck was like really something else to me. Um, but yeah, I, th-
0: I think that um I think that's very interesting because tons of people ask you like what guitar is that? How do you get that tone? and it just goes to show man it's like it's it's not really the gear you use it's it's a small part of it but yeah it's how you use it um like i would be really interested to hear you on i don't know like my new D'Angelico, for example and hear how you respond to an instrument like that um yeah but yeah uh sean why don't you tell us a bit about yours because i know you've got this very fancy uh baritone guitar
1: oh gosh yeah i haven't i haven't I've been in the middle of a move, so I haven't played that one too much. But I need right. to get back in the habit because it's such a strange instrument. For the for the longest time, I've been like a one guitar guy. I have this this SG that I play that I've had since I was just kind of, I don't know had it for 12, 13 years now, and uh, I I never really thought that I needed another guitar. Um, and I you really know. like held. I held to that firmly, <laughs> right? For for years, I was like, "This is it. This this guitar is all I need." Um, but I'll tell you what. The, recently, just in the past couple of months, I've I've started playing other guitars. That trip to the UK, I took uh, at my friend's house in London. I played. He had a Strat and a Tele and a PRS that I played for a couple hours each, and they've all felt amazing. And I was like, "Man, maybe I do need to get another guitar." Um, but so. Uh, the fretless baritone is this crazy guitar that um, I guess the, the short version of the story is I have, I have a good friend um, from my, from my hometown who wants to be a guitar builder. And we decided to build this sort of prototype crazy guitar that we didn't really, we didn't really know of anything else like it that existed. That was kind of the motivation to build it. It looks like a strat, kind of a classic white strat body, but it's a baritone. So it's, it's a significantly larger scale length than a normal guitar, and it's fretless. I think that's kind of a throwback to to my my cello days. I I wanted to try to get back to, you know, it's just a different, it's just a whole different beast. Playing something without frets, um, it's going to be a really interesting challenge trying to make music with it. Although even though it's capable of sort of leaving the 12-tone western music sort of paradigm i still am attempting to play pretty basic pop music with it um, anyways we, we could talk a long time about that that fretless uh, baritone guitar but i it guess it's amazing too it really is pretty that's it's it's sort of you know it's a prototype It's a little mm-hmm. rough around the edges this is like one of the first guitars that this that uh, my friend had ever built um, ambitious. <laughs> it was a little. It was. It was a little ambitious, but he he performed really well. It's it's a. It's considering that he built it from scratch. It's it's awesome. It's so it blows my mind that it didn't exist, and then he cut a bunch of wood up, and now it does exist. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess the whole you know a, a point I'm trying to get across is I'm trying to buy another guitar at some point. Um, I just. Uh, my my girlfriend's a guitar player, and I just I just helped get her a Telecaster, a sweet cool. custom T90 Telecaster, and I've been playing it a bunch. And now I want to get a Telecaster of my own. Yeah. Uh, I think I finally shook that that bug, the one guitar bug, and now is dangerous. I was yes, once I that guy. Yeah, I my savings now. <laughs> yeah, but tell
0: tell us a little bit about your SG and maybe what amps you use as well.
1: So the, yeah, the SG, it's a faded SG special, um, got it from Guitar Center for like pretty cheap. I, I got it cause it's, it's the cheapest Gibson SG that you can buy. I think it was $700. Um, and I, like I said earlier, I got it because I was obsessed with Angus Young and ACDC. Um, and so the first thing that I did was I bought Gibson's Angus Young signature humbucker, put that in the nice. bridge, um, and then a little bit later down the line, I put this Seymour Duncan P90 in the neck. Um, and, of course, since then, in the past 10 years, I I, I never play with overdriver distortion now. And I, I hardly play rock at all. It's basically all finger-style clean <laughs> Wait, wait,
2: Sean. Didn't you, when you started Instagram, didn't you start with covers?
1: Pretty much, yeah. That's the whole thing. Because I reason. know,
2: I've seen you, like... You use the same angle every time and I didn't follow you back then. This was like two and a half years ago, three years ago. And I was like, who the fuck is this guy? I've never <laughs> seen his face. This yeah. damn SG that I've never seen. <laughs> I don't know, it's just funny. <laughs> yeah,
1: that was that was a, that was a I'm little sorry, funny again. that no that of many many people have no idea what I look like. <laughs> because for the longest time, you, just, you only saw this really small, cropped-in angle. Um, the, the thing was, I bought—I got really into cameras when I was in when I was in uh, college, and I bought this nice camera and I got this really nice lens for it. Although it was a very cropped-in lens, it's you—you know—the the minimum focus distance was like three and a half feet, and the the whole field of view is very narrow. So, in other words, not a wide angle at all. And I was sort of shooting videos in this cramped little room. And so it was kind of like a a make the best of what I had available to me to to shoot, to get these little tiny videos that are just the guitar framed. And I had a
0: similar experience, actually.
1: (laughs) Anytime you're shooting videos in like a small flat, it's like, okay, you got to get kind of creative. Yeah. And I was sort of obsessed. I was maybe too obsessed with like the video quality. And I would I would sort of bend over backwards to try to make the videos look. However, you know, I, I sort of set this crazy standard and it's in, in the it's recently in the past, I don't know, year or so that I've been like, you know, the video quality doesn't matter that much anymore. And it might be more valuable to, to show a video that you can see my face uh, than it would be to have this perfectly crisp, sharp video. Um, anyways, yeah, there that, that's that's the SG that I play um, for the longest time. I didn't use a guitar amp. I have a tiny little audio interface. Ooh. It's like a Presonus or Presonus audio box, USB. Got it years ago. And it's, it's like it was like a $100 interface that came with some recording software. It's like your classic two-input interface bundle, yeah. kind of like the, the Scarlett 2i2 or whatever. Um, and for the longest time, I just plugged my guitar straight in to, to one of the inputs. And then in Ableton, I would use a couple digital effects. And that was it. That was my guitar tone for for most... That was like for two years almost. Wow. Um, but in the past year, I, I got in with Laney uh, amps over in the UK. Um, and so I use a little, um, like, small 5-watt tube head. Um, I still kind of use it differently, though. I, I don't have a speaker or a cab, actually. And I, mm-hmm. I use this direct... And this amp has a really cool feature. It's got a direct XLR output out of the back of the amp and so now i go my guitar into the laney l5 studio and then xlr output from the amp into my interface and then i've got a couple of like four inch mackie studio monitors that i use for monitoring um so it's a little bit of a different guitar setup i don't have i don't have like a your classic guitar amp um i'm surprised man because the tones you get are beautiful like i i thought you maybe
0: had like a a couple of different calves or something or yeah, a, a lot
1: of people do. Uh, the truth is, I have almost no experience playing through cabs or I- using microphones and and micing amps at all. I it's it's like uh, it's intimidating to me the thought of trying to mic a guitar amp, and so right. I, I kind of like am scared of it. Honestly, <laughs>
0: interesting, cool. Well, I guess um, to answer the question on my side, um, I'm I'm just gonna say what I use most because. I've got a lot of stuff sitting in this room. Um but yeah, I'm rocking the D'Angelical guitars. I've got the XLSS and I just got an EXL1, which is a big, huge jazz box. And I love it, man. it's, it's got a set of 12s on it and it mm. just reacts like it breathes so much. I love it. <clears throat> and um yeah, I've got like a Strat, a tele, a Shergold, and then an Ibanez JSM as well. Wow. And then acoustics. <laughs> I've got How a lot of gear. In this room, there's one two three four five six seven there's
1: eight
0: <laughs> Oh but, my goodness. but 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 each one is a tool um that's and my true. main my main guitar is the uh xlss the D'Angelico. but the other ones are all absolutely handy and i've used them extensively that's why i have them um and my amp that was your in, first guitar? my first guitar was just like a strat copy that i don't have anymore um but the first guitar i got with like actual money that my granddad gave me was uh, an American Standard Strat Mm. which is just a beautiful guitar Um, and I played that for forever I was that one guitar guy for so long I just played blues and had a tube screamer and a Fender amp Um, (laughs) and that was me sorted but then I don't know what happened I bought the Ibanez GSM and then started you know like just guitars started falling out of the sky um (laughs) And the anyway, <clears throat> the amp that I use most right now is actually a DV Mark Jazz 12, and it's a solid state jazz amp. Um, and I just, I used to play Fender amps, and I loved how bright and clear they were, but I don't know, I've just kind of, I really love the sound of this solid state amp, and I would never have thought, but um, I really do like it, and if I, I want, it's, it's called DV Mark DV Mark. Yeah, DV Mark. Um, You might know them because they have a bass amp company called Mark Bass. Oh, um, I... They're based out of Italy. Um, but yeah, I just really love this amp. It's tiny and it's portable and it sounds great. But if I want to go for the tube amp, I have a really beautiful Supro Statesman. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, and that's, you know, that'll, that'll do nearly everything. But I'm just really enjoying the solid state sound just
2: now. Yeah, just what would helped. you guys. What what would you what would you guys? Because uh, I don't I don't know anything actually about amps and stuff. But you guys know like what my style is a bit. What would you guys like? It, to which angle would you guys direct me? Like what brands or what kind of vendor or vendor? Oh, I was gonna say Supro.
0: Oh well, Supro. Yeah, of course. I I see Supro as being quite a high end company. Um, so it's like for your first amp I probably wouldn't go that route but Superman Uh, you would you would sound amazing on my super amp Um, but if I was you and I recommend this to most people just yeah I think like a a Fender Blues Junior or like the Hot Rod if you want something bigger because like they're just they just sound amazing like I really love those amps and they're simple they're affordable a Blues Junior could be like I saw them go for like 400 pounds like okay, yeah that's not super. terrible no not at all man like super will set you back nearly two grand like that's an expensive that amp.
1: Uh, sorry i didn't know that's how much super has cost
0: well i mean i think they've got small ones like smaller ones that are a bit more affordable but yeah i think the fender amp would like a fender amp would be good for you vincent even if it was like a one of those smaller fender um i think it's called like a champion or a super champ or something like that yeah um i don't know what would you recommend
1: sean what are you playing through right now, Vincent?
2: It's a, a Vox V twenty plus or V thirty plus. I'm not sure. It's a combo amp, man, and I've been playing mm-hmm. it for eight or nine years. Uh, but I've never really played shows or anything. I've been always been that you know bedroom, living room guitar playing guy. <laughs> uh, and f- to be honest, for me, it, it does the trick. Right now, uh, it has a bit of grit on a clean channel. The built-in reverb is more than fine. Uh, so yeah, it's a small amp. Reese played it as well, played it as well, but he picked the <laughs> he picked the he preferred the, the the Fender combo amp that I had. That was like the, one of the yeah. first amps that I got. Uh, but yeah, I I do notice the difference in in sound, very clearly between Vox and Fender. I know that there's a couple good
1: Vox amps. I, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. Uh, the
0: AC ones are pretty
1: solid. The, the AC ones power. are great. I think those are a little pricey. They might set yeah. you back 800 bucks or something. Um, but I think they have one called the Pathfinder. It's like All right. a little bit... I think it's like a 10-watt a ten watt tube amp. Um the Vox Pathfinder, I've, I think I've played it before, and it's cool. But yeah, the AC 15 and the AC 30 are both great, great amps. But what Reese is saying, I think, is is pretty solid. A, a Hot Rod or a Blues Junior from Fender. Yes. You just can't, you almost can't go wrong with those amps.
0: I would like to add a curveball. Okay. So, given the, for example let's just say you continue like doing the stuff you're doing and you don't have plans to like i don't know take your music to a band which i know you do want to do that but if you're going to continue doing the things you're doing man i would just buy like a and this might be total counter like to maybe what i would do or what you guys would do but i would buy a lean like a line six uh, helix stomp and just check out like some amp modelers because oh. you, you can just like you can try out tons of sounds and if you don't if you find something you like, sell the pedal and buy the actual amp, or just keep the pedal because it sounds great as, <laughs> as it is. So I would even experiment with that kind of stuff. But that's, I don't yeah, know if that's I, what you're looking at.
2: Well, I mean, I, I'd be open to that. Uh, I like the 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 room and possibility of experimenting with stuff before I dedicate fully to. Yeah, before yeah. I like go swinging two grand at some super amp or something. <laughs> <laughs> that's I don't know, man. But yeah, first, yeah, I feel like um, a new guitar. For me, like a good guitar. I mean, yeah. I have to struggle. Tell tell it.
0: them what you're what you're eyeing up. I know what you're getting.
2: Oh shit! My phone fell. Uh, yeah, I've GSM. the uh, GSM. That's, dude. I don't know, man. I feel like the the semi hollow is perfect for for what i'm doing for my yep. sound but you know another thing like uh, sean it's because of you i want i still want a guitar with p90s on it is it really <laughs> yeah it really is
0: just buy some p90s man the sherry gold <laughs> that i've got's got p90s and they're so nice
2: yeah
1: <clears throat> i think it's i yeah, it's it's pretty much i'm sold on p90s it would take a lot to convince me to get play a guitar with a sing, with a different single coil or a humbucker in it now. You yes. sold
0: sold to the P nineties. Nice. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: cool. I'm a P ninety hack. <laughs> All right, cool. <clears throat> Excuse me. So how about uh how about we just finish with like a, a quick fire kind of thing from a couple of questions I got on Instagram? how does that okay. sound? Yeah, yeah? Cool. yeah. And if any of you guys want to add in questions at the end, we can maybe do that as well, right? Yeah. So, Alright, I'll, I'll just pick a couple and we're not going to answer them all because some of them are a bit too long um, Alright, so from Louis underscore Noosh on Instagram, he says how to play Vincent's style <laughs> ah. Do you want to answer that or do you want us to answer it because that would be really interesting
2: Ooh, um, Okay, I'll answer first and I'm, but I'm right. really uh, curious about your answers How to play my style. Uh, I think one, I don't like using the word signature thing, but I think Uh one signature thing that I'm doing is like, I'm really, really digging in the strings.
0: Yeah. I was going to say that.
2: That's that's exactly where I was going. (laughs) Oh, wow. I I use very thick picks. I'm sold by, by Hawk picks. I really love those picks. Um, And they just, I don't know, man, it feels so great to like, Put all your energy into one one note on one string. And like, just really, I feel like this may sound dumb or whatever, but I feel like I'm playing, I can play like soul music, <clears throat> kind of like alternative soul indie music, but with the intensity of hardcore and metal. Because that's, that's yeah. how I feel when I play. I feel like I play music that's a bit, like, gloomy, atmospheric. Um, maybe you'd call it, no um, no twinkly melodies or something. But I feel the intensity of hardcore when I play. So I, I think that's where the, the, the insane raking and stuff comes from as well. Yeah. But, no, that's yeah, cool. i say that's the thing I do. And, like, pfft, own in on Major 7. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I think um we'll we'll try and keep this part short but just play like a a drop to second inversion c major seven chord with the rest of the strings open and you'll be like oh yeah (laughs) that feels like vincent um (laughs) but yeah all right let's move on so other question from someone called uh on instagram i am joe del pillar i think i said that so his question is um if not music what then any hobbies so maybe maybe I could start I like long walks along the beach (laughs) (laughs) um I uh I really like rock climbing I've been doing bouldering for maybe the past eight months or something and I just really enjoy that I do that um that's nearly all I do other than play music now um yeah I'm kind of I'm really into that right now Just
1: music and rock climbing for you
0: yeah that's pretty much it. I mean I I do love like walking up mountains and Stuff like that. And I really enjoy mountain biking, but I don't do it too often. What about you two?
1: Ah, well, I'd say the next, the next, the thing that I'm, like, passionate about most is a little random, but I think we maybe talked about this for a bit, uh, in the pub. It's airplanes. (laughs) Um, Oh, yeah. I I really want to get my pilot's license, and I'm just, I'm just fascinated with things that fly. Exactly. that's just a lot of my day-to-day, my mental, my, my mind is occupied with thinking about planes. I sort Wait. of, once you start hearing them fly over, you just like can't stop paying attention. There's just planes <laughs> flying over all day, every day. Amazing. What it's about you, Vincent? Random, yeah.
2: That's awesome, man. Uh, Jesus. I don't know. There are a lot of things that I'm drawn to, but don't have the skill for yet. But for instance, I would really love to, know how to paint oh and i really enjoy painting when i do it but it's like i do it like once every six months or so so oh, wow. but yeah that's uh, something i would love to get better at or do and yeah maybe uh yeah i don't know man next question
0: so this is from my twin brother Lewis gilchrist actually who is uh, honestly one of the most creative people i know He's, he's so good at photography and he's really great at writing just he could be a stand-up comedian if you wanted as well um anyway he asked i'm gonna try and paraphrase but basically what is maybe like what does music mean to you personally um that may be quite a hard thing to answer like yeah. in a short space of time but like what what he said was uh, what would your meaning of music be like your personal dictionary meaning like what i think that music like, what, we what it listen interviews?
2: to or music we write hmm. or just music
0: yeah see that's that's hard man because I, I got into a short discussion on instagram about like what is what is music <laughs> and i always go back to i'm quite a reductionist so i take it down to like was well, vibrations and it's yeah. like, that, that's that's stupid because then it's that means hair. that the, the tree is vib- vibrating therefore it's music so it's, it's a fallacy to uh, to say that but um yeah this is partly why i said maybe you guys could answer it because i'll yeah, go too it's far a, it's
2: a very difficult question because it's hard to not like drop on cliches
1: yeah,
2: um, <laughs> yeah
0: let, all right let, let's just do it in one word i'm gonna say uh i don't know expression
1: expression i i was i was leaning towards connection
0: oh i like that yeah yeah yeah
1: cool
0: a connection to your expression
2: (laughs) 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 all the same what's your word yeah i i was also truly honing in on uh, on connection but maybe like um for me it's more more inner connection like finding a balance Mm. with okay this is too cliche okay But no, yeah, that, that's
1: connection. cool, man. That's cool.
0: That's great. Interconnection is good. Yeah, I'm I'm with you both on that. Um, all right, Lewis also asked, "Who is Boggy Pete?" And um, nobody has an <laughs> answer to that. Sorry. <laughs>
1: Boggy <laughs> Pete? Uh,
0: don't. It's like some inside joke that we have. It's, it's, it. Nobody knows who Boggy Pete is. It's a fictional <laughs> character. Um, all right, let's let's do a few more quick ones. These are quite hard questions to answer quickly, but um, Cass Grant Media uh again he asked a question earlier good guy um he says how does an artist make serious change in their community so that's that's a huge question but um does anybody want to shine some light on that
2: yeah
0: sure how does an artist make serious change in their community
2: okay dedication yeah absolutely dedication yeah. I would think it's
1: back to that thing we talked about earlier, just truly honest expression. Yeah. If That's, you're if I, you're as honest as you possibly can be, yeah. people respond and react to that.
0: That's what I was going to say. It's, you know, what you put out is what you get back in. And it's the same yeah. for, like, the, the music you put out will attract people in your community that is off, hopefully off a similar uh, wavelength in some form. But yeah. yeah, that that's a huge question because we could speak about the community aspect of it and like how to build that. But we'll we'll keep it keep it simple it's
2: for the next podcast.
0: <laughs> yeah, there there will be more. Another previous student, uh, Es Blake Oven. I think that's maybe how you say their username. Uh, sh- she's asking more and more and more tips on soloing. All right, I I think my my perspective of solo is like you're trying to say something. It's not just a random sort of thing that your fingers just throw onto the guitar and it's like none of it really related it's like for me what i'm looking for is what just happened what's happening and where's it going and how can you tell that story in your solo and that's you know motivic development and all that kind of stuff but um i think if i can very briefly give someone something to work on in solo and we'll be talking about that kind of thing it's like all right so you just played that what comes next why does that come next and when you're doing that in an improvisational setting it's it's something that takes a lot of practice but there would be that just to keep it brief
2: yeah i'd say on a on a uh, psychological level the most important thing is don't be scared and don't think too much sean mm. i would uh i would say
1: learn it it's sort of, we, we sort of talked about it earlier um learning other solos for me at least was really a, a groundbreaking thing for improving, yeah. improving my own soloing was copying like literally copying note for note what someone else did in the past because mm-hmm. it felt like for me the more that I did that you know you, you you get this large catalog of solos that you know how to play in your head but no matter how well you know them you're going to start messing them up and you're going to start mixing and matching and it's going to sort of fluidly turn into your own your own voice once you have totally filled your own cup with what's been done before.
0: I totally agree with that, with that, man. I think, yeah, like from a more, uh, like introducing someone to solo or playing solos, that's 100%, um, that's what I would be doing as well. Because it's like, you wouldn't move to France and just expect to pick up the language because someone says, right. well, what just happened, man? Like, be in the moment. Um, it's that you need to learn how to say, bonjour, je m'appelle Reese. you know what I mean? <laughs> um, and you you cocky and you learn i think that's how you learn
1: you, language as a baby right you're yeah just exactly what you're seeing around you
0: so i think yeah sum that up like i would totally agree agree on that learn learn people's solos but learn them actively you know learn what's happening and right, start to right. pick it a piece uh, to pieces and you'll start to make up your own sentences all <laughs> yeah. right i think i think we should leave it for there there's there's more questions but i think we kind of touched up on a lot of them
2: yeah, I have one question, though. Would you guys see a possibility to, like, in the future come together to put our styles together? Would you see that happen?
0: What I would say is, all right, my feelings on collaboration. If we can't do it in person, no. I because know. there's just no, I can't pick up a vibe, like a real like vibe from you sending me a video. And I've had so many people wanting to collaborate, and I'm like, yeah, let's give it a try. And they send me a video. And it's like, that's not us. That's you. And <laughs> I, then I, I add something.
2: Exactly, yeah. I yeah.
0: But yeah. it's like, I I want to I want it to be us. That's the whole part in a collaboration. So yeah, like I can imagine us three in a very like unexpected way being able to fit together nicely musically.
2: Um, yeah, because be we fun. also I never expected that we would like uh, connect the way we did with our styles. Yeah. And the way we play. So I think if if you'd put the three of us in a room together, there could be maybe it sounds pretentious, but there could be something really interesting that that could come out of it or it would be a total flop, but who knows?
0: <laughs> I don't think it'd be I, I a flop. I think it
2: would. Yeah, I don't think it would be a flop. I think we'd all bring something
1: very different to into this into this the pot, you know. It would be a very interesting recipe
2: yeah yeah and communication wise we're all like i feel like we're we three are kind of on the same level so
0: yeah all right so what about this if you're listening to the podcast leave us some feedback should we create a
1: trio album
0: (laughs) (laughs) you can live you can fund it for us what are you saying sean
1: I said a live album
0: yeah that'd be amazing just take one of your loops and like we, we just layer it up but we can keep that conversation for another time Um, yeah that'd be pretty cool (laughs) like a a trio guitar album guitar trio album anyway i hope you enjoyed episode one of sitting in we sure had a good time recording it uh be sure to go and check out vincent and sean on their social medias and if you want to support the podcast go and pick up a piece of merch from teespring.com forward slash stores forward slash sitting dash in dash podcast i'll see you in episode two